Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, Oaks Church. Who's fired up to be at church today? Yes, that's awesome. I'm fired up to be with you. I flew all the way from South Carolina to be with you this weekend. Spent some time with Pastor Adam yesterday, uh, and now he's not here today, so I must have wore him out. That's awesome. Uh, I do want to just share a few things about myself before I dive into the message. Uh, my name is Joe Sangle. I'm the youngest of six boys. I have no sisters. My mother and father had four boys. They wanted their daughter. They had another baby on the way an hour and a half before April Fool's Day. My mother went into labor. The nurse is listening to the womb with a stethoscope, got a scared look, raced out and got a doctor and said, something's wrong with the baby's heartbeat. And the doctor came and listened and he broke into a broad smile and says, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats. There's two of them. And that, my friends, is when my mother found out she was having twins an hour and a half before April Fool's Day. And uh, so she said what I think any mother would say in that moment. She looked right at that doctor. No joke, I have witnesses. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to have one baby, and it better be a girl or I'm sending it back. And so the doctor smiled and said, I don't know about the boy or girl part, but there are definitely two of them. Get ready. And uh, a half hour later, my identical twin brother was born. Seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. And my mother cried said, the Lord has spoken. If we try for a daughter again, we'll have triplet boys. And so I'm the baby of six boys. So if you're saying this guy is loud for a Sunday morning, well, loudness was essential to my very survival, being the youngest of six boys. And uh, I don't know if anybody grew up in a big family, uh, but we kind of kept my parents broke. You know, if you have brothers, you have friends, you know, you have that Y chromosome. Every now and then you have this terrible moment where somebody says, hey, y'all, watch this and you get a medical bill. And we kept our parents broke that way. And so I grew up in a household just south of Indianapolis, Indiana, and money was a scarce thing. Anybody grow up where money was a scarce thing? It's just a scarce thing. And my dad says he remembers times when he was driving the family automobile, a 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale. That was the whole name of that car. Does anybody remember these? large land yachts. Google it, it will bless you this morning. A 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale. Ours was copper tone color. And uh, the par my parents had a rule that no kids sat up front with them. So all six of us would climb in the back of this thing. And me and my twin being the youngest, we didn't have good seating choices. Um, we had the choice of sitting on the hump or in the back window. Does anybody remember the hump in the back of the car? And, uh, and my dad says he remembers these moments of looking in the rearview mirror and he would see these six sets of eyes staring at him and he would have moments of panic saying, I'm going to be broke forever. How do I even feed these kids? And all of a sudden, he had the light bulb moment. Ding, ding, ding. I know we can grow our food. And so without consulting my schedule, every springtime, my parents would announce it was time to plant the gardens. And we planted huge gardens. I don't know if any of you grew up growing your own food, but we would plant an acre of sweet corn, a half acre of green beans, blue bush, blue lake green beans, get fired up. 
And despite my best efforts, the plants would grow. And then we would again, in the middle of the summer, without consulting my schedule, my mother would announce it as green bean picking day, a very blessed moment. And we would put up 100 quarts of green beans in a day. And we didn't lack for food, that's true. Um, but we also had green beans a lot. Like, how do you want your eggs at breakfast? Here's a scoop of green beans, get fired up. And, uh, and so I really started my money journey when I went to college. I'm the youngest of six, but me and my twin were the first to go to college. I went to Purdue University, which is there in Indiana, studied mechanical engineering. And by a miracle and the providence of God alone, we sang about miracles today? Hey, I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering, and that is proof God works miracles. I didn't get any A's in engineering. At graduation, I was wondering, am I graduating? Is, I don't know if it, some people graduate, you're really smart here, magna cum laude, summa cum laude. I graduated with lesson known honors called thank the laude and got out of there. 2.64 GPA, get fired. That was brought up by my A in indoor flower arranging. I'm not kidding. There were 97 girls, three guys. That's why I went to class. So, so I started my money journey because I had no money for college. And so I started dating this girl named Sally Mae. Anybody know her or some of her first cousins? And so I financed all my college education. My first weekend there, they offered me credit cards if I would just, uh, or free stuff if I'd fill out some credit card applications. I filled them all out. I was honest. What's your job? Don't have one. What's your income? Zero dollars. And a week later, they sent me a credit card. And the next day, I, I started practicing with it. And I found out I'm very talented at spending money. I can make money disappear. It's a special gift. Anybody have that gift? And uh, <laughs> I should have employed that wisdom from the kids show that says, swiper? No swiping. Come on, Pomodos, everybody. Let's go. But I swiped away. I ended up financing a brand new car, financed a truck, ended up marrying a girl from college, and we, we moved to South Carolina with a job transfer, somehow bought a house, and uh, we then needed furniture. So based on my track record, do you think I paid cash for my furniture? 24 months, same as cash, I had some furniture. And I share that to say, I don't think that my money journey is a lot different from a lot of people's money journeys. True or false, you had zero classes about money in school. For most of us, the most we had was one. Most of us had none. I went through four years of engineering school. I did admit, not very good, but I did get out of there. No classes on money. I then moved to South Carolina. We have this, this, this college known as Clemson University. It's in the ACC, the almost competitive conference. And... Uh, and uh, I went there and I studied for my MBA. I got my MBA, no classes on how to manage money. And as a result, even though I went to church since I was a baby, I went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. Anybody grow up going to church a lot? I did. No classes about money. The only time I ever heard about money was the giving message. I never heard about the fact that God owned the other 90%. And he cares a lot about what we do with it too. Oh, that's good preaching right there. 
So today, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the other 90%. Who's with me? Anybody fired up about it? It's going to be fun, and we're going to encourage you. You might laugh at some bad dad jokes. You know, some of you may woke up today. You had a nightmare last night. You're a muffler on a car. You woke up exhausted. You know, I'll slip some of those in there. But we're going to talk about having a heart for the house, for God's house. We know you already have a heart for your house. We're going to talk about having a heart for God's house. In this series, I've watched all the messages as I prepared for coming out here, and I just love Pastor Joel's heart for equipping us with what God's Word says and what God wants to do and what will happen when we have a heart for His house. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir because I know the miracles that took place to acquire this building and to upfit this building. And I, I would just say, when, when we look in investing world, the Securities Exchange Commission says all these fa fa really special statements. They'll say past performance is not indicative, future performance may lose money. Have you ever heard that statement? Well, I came today to proclaim that God's past performance is his best predictor of his future performance, and you, my friends, can take that to the bank. That's good news today. So let's talk about heart for the house. And I came up with, you know, four, four titles for this message. So I'll let you choose which one is the right one. And I want to talk about moving. Everybody say move. Move. Let's say it with more energy. Move. Yeah, we're going to move today. And so here's my titles. One of them is to move from struggle to surplus. We're going to move from struggle to surplus. How many of you know it takes effort to move from struggle to surplus? Yeah. And, and another one is to move from O to own. One letter difference a world of difference in how you get to live your life. The, another title is to move from selfish to selfless. How many of you know that takes the work of God himself in us? Because I'm human. Anybody human today? Anybody selfish? I'm selfish. Oh, man, if, that, if somebody filled up that K-cup and they did not replenish the water and that blue light is on the Keurig, that selfish person, Right? Just one thing can derail us, can't it? We want to move to selflessness. And the fourth one is to move from greed to generosity. To move from greed to generosity. It takes the power of God working in us and to have a heart for the house. And so let's see if we're on the same page today. I want to kind of do some would you rather which situation. So let's see if we're on the same page. If you had a choice of having money or having no money, which would you choose? I know it's early on Sunday morning. I'm trying to make this easy. Having money, right? Okay, that's good. Here's another. If you could choose between having peace and contentment in your household or having loads of stress and anxiety, which would you choose? Yeah, number one. All right. If you could choose no debt or piles of debt, which would you choose? Number one. And if you could choose between being a giver or a taker, which would you choose? A giver. And so here's the thing. We all get to choose. All of us. And today, my goal is to help you move, to encourage you to move, to inspire you to move, to exhort you to move, to proclaim God's word, and to help you move. Our passage of scripture today is found in the second book of Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, chapter 9, and it's Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about giving, he's talking about money here, and he says, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap, help me, sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what type of giver? Cheerful, smile. A cheerful giver, I love it. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be, say it, generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in that most blessed word. We're going to celebrate it this week. Thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in the prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Will you join me in praying and asking the Lord to speak to us individually today? Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to speak here at Oaks Church for everyone in this room and everyone online. Lord, I pray for one thing and one thing alone. Lord, give us clarity of a next step. Show us how we can draw closer to you. Help us to have a heart for your house. It's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You know, the first verse that I wanna share today is verse six. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will weep generously. And I like to ask the question, and if you sow nothing, you will reap no thing. You do know that the only thing, the only number God cannot bless is zero. I meet people all the time that says, I'm praying for the Lord to bless me abundantly. I'm praying for the Lord to send it on. Send it on down, Lord, I receive it. How much are you investing? None. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you have a better chance of discovering a magical unicorn in your backyard than you do of getting any harvest because the only number, what, that God cannot bless is zero. Here is the principle. The harvest is proportional to what is sown. The harvest is proportional. That's a big word on a Sunday morning. I learned it in engineering. It's amazing. And, and I learned this as planting the garden. The reason my dad wanted a large harvest is, it, it, and the reason he got a large harvest is we planted huge. We planted generously. And, and I remember this moment um, that, that I was a kid saying, these, these plants, I'm picking these green beans every now and then I rip a plant up and lay it down, you know, just helping myself the next time around. I know none of you ever did this. I've confessed this to my mother. But uh, here's what I know that these things would produce every year. And I would say as a kid, you know, when I grow up, I'm never having a garden. You ever do this? And then I grew up and I bought a house. Where do you think I found myself that spring? Planting a garden. I became my parents. Isn't that a dreadful moment? And so here's the moment, I've got this issue as a, as a person that when I plant seeds, and God makes it grow, right? It says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but it is God who is making it grow, right? And so I would plant these seeds and I would plant them really far apart because if the seed sprouts, God let it grow, it would hurt my heart to have to thin them, to pull some of them out so there'd be room for all of them to grow. Does anybody else have this issue? Just me? 
Okay, so here's the issue. I'd plant them really far apart and, and not all the seeds would grow. Does that surprise anyone? And then all those that sprouted, not all of them made it to a harvest. Why? Because Wolfie came and laid down on it, right? Peter Cottontail and his buddies munched on some. Bambi and his mom came over, chomped on some. And I found myself at the end of the year, watch this, with a bag full of seeds still in the garage and frustrated because I got like eight green beans. Make sense? The next year, I repeated that exact same scenario. Oh, I don't want to hurt these seeds. Bag of seed left in the garage. Bambi's over here. Peter Cottontail, dog, kids, right? And horrible harvest. And it was the second year, no joke, that this scripture literally came through my mind that says, the reason why I'm getting a sparing harvest is why? Because I'm planting sparingly. And so I got over my issue. The next year, I planted all the seeds. I just put them all in there, and, and then as they all sprouted, I didn't even miss the ones that didn't. And I'm out there thinning them out, too bad, so sad, go call your dad, you out of here, you out of here. And from then on, I've had an abundant harvest. In fact, last year, last year, I put up 40 quarts of green beans. Get fired up, woo, it's awesome. I called my mom, said, how do you can? My dad piped up. Go to, go to the grocery store and buy them. They're a dollar a can. That's what he took. He said, throw them away and go buy ones in the can. But the harvest is proportional to what is sown. And so let me ask you a question. In your life, financially, and by the way, lest you think this is only about money, this applies to every area of your life. I'm going to ask you two important questions. And if you ask them, and if you meditate them over this Thanksgiving season, has you got the windshield time? Anybody going to the airports? The Lord bless and keep you. As you have time that you escape, you're in tryptophan coma from the turkey. If you ponder these, they'll change your life. You ready? Number one, what are you sowing? What are you sowing? And two, how much of that are you sowing? The first question is, What's going to pop up? The second one is how much of that's going to pop up. And if you want to move from selfishness to selflessness, if you want to move from greed to generosity, if you want to have a heart for the things of God, it's got to move from me to thee. It's got to happen. You got a lot of chaos in your life? Hey, just maybe those seeds are being sown. Have you ever known people, they just, it's just like pig pen, this, the chaos swirls around them. They're sowing those seeds. Does that make sense? So, so let me show you some pictures of this. You know, since we're in botany class, I, I want to show you a seed here. And I want you to guess what grows from this seed. Anybody want to guess? A plant. That's very good. I like it. That's how I answered most of my engineering questions I did. You know, how does this happen? Big physics question. I answered a three-letter, one-word answer. God. Am I wrong? <laughs> the Fed professor said I needed more, more proof, right? So, so what grows from this? Well, let's show you what, what grows from it. Well, it's a green bean. It's awesome. Let's show you a couple more. This one. Anybody guess what grows from this one? Oh, you sound confident. Let's see if it is a pumpkin. Let's go. There we go. We're right. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay. Anybody know this one? 
Oh, watermelon. Somebody's seen this before, okay? We have so many seedless ones now, people are forgetting what they're like. What's the fourth one? Let's look at this one. That is not a rock. I'm going to show you this. You ready? This, my friends, is a loofah. You know the thing you buy for rub-a-dub-dub in the tub? You can grow those. You can grow them right here in McKinney, Texas. They're awesome. I've grown them. They're awesome, right? Now, let me show you a couple others, just a couple others. Anybody know this seed? This is a noxious weed, but we buy it to feed the birds, right? Let's show you what it is. It's a thistle. All right, let me show you one more. Anybody know this one? Would it dare be in your yard? Okay, let's show you. It's that beautiful dandelion. Now, would it be weird for you to plant a bean seed and have a corn plant grow from it? That would be really weird. Impossible even, right? So when you look at your life, are you sowing seeds of greed or sowing seeds of generosity? Hey, listen, are you investing? I'm talking for real. Are you investing financially? Or are you doing the hope so plan, the lottery plan? Do you see what I'm saying? Are you, are you giving to God the first fruits? Pastors issued this tithe challenge, but then blowing the rest? Or are you carefully managing it knowing he's still the owner of it too? Because when you recognize that all of it is the Lord's, then your heart transfers with it and you will have a heart for the things of God. It's incredible what happens. Verse seven says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And one of the things that I know that when I invest in a financial investment, I want ROI, how about you? So do you. And when I invest in the things of God, I want ROI, how about you? So when you see salvations happen in this house, that's part of your ROI for your giving. When you see people have life change in their marriage, when you see people just freed from the bonds of addiction, when you see people have salvation for their soul, that is happening and that is part of all of our harvest, isn't it? That's awesome. And when you see more of that happen, your heart will be for his house. It's incredible. In fact, one of the things that principle here is that cheerfulness accompanies generosity. There's a great cheerfulness that comes with it. In fact, I, I ran across a, a video on Facebook that shows this. I love it. I'm going to set it up. There's a young man. He's around 12 or 13. I don't know exact age. I can do that preteen angst. I can sense it. It's his birthday. He, he loves baseball. He's on a travel baseball team. His name is Brahim Fowler from the outskirts of Philadelphia. And on this particular day, he's going to play his baseball game. He really wanted a baseball bat. And any of you who've been in travel well know a baseball bat is not cheap. Uh, and he thinks not only did he not get a baseball bat, he thinks his dad has forgot his birthday. Okay? So let's pick up this video and see what happens and see how cheerfulness accompanies generosity. You're about to make me cry. Don't cry. Pull it out. Let the world see it. I want to see some home, I want to see some home runs. I love you. Don't. don't cry. Let me see. Let me see you post up with it. How you gonna knock it out the bar? There you go. Right. You gonna go to this game and hit some home runs, right? That's right. How awesome is that? I love that. I'm gonna clap. 
No joke, that afternoon, he hit a home run and his dad was in the outfield over the fence and caught the ball. No, how awesome is that? Did you see the joy that happened? The cheerfulness? I want you to know this, that when, when you manage your money well, it enables more generosity, it allows you to do more of that, and you, when you give, you can do it with great cheerfulness. And, and I want you to know this, no matter what happens, you may not see it this side of glory, but the blessing for other people always happens. Always. Let's, let's continue verses 8 and 9. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And, and the four key words that I wanted to emphasize here is, And God is able. Will you say those four words with me? Let's go. And God is able. To do what, Joe? Whatever you have need of. Hey, listen, I know in this room, there are somebody, there is somebody who is called to start a business. You have no idea how to do it. It costs too much. You don't even know how to get started. You, You have a passion for a thing, but the business side of it drives you crazy. I came today to tell you, and God is able. There are people that need healing in their body. I came today to say, I know somebody, come on somebody, who is able. He is the Jehovah Rapha, our great healer. He is our Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. I came today to tell somebody who's bound in addiction that you can be restored. It can happen in this moment. I came today to tell somebody has a broken relationship, God can restore it in this moment. Do you believe it? And God is able. That is powerful. That fires me up. And it is the thing that helps me have a heart for the house that says, God is able. I'm a living witness to miracles in my own life. And going all the way back to the start of the message, God's past performance is his best predictor of future performance. And whenever my belief bank is running empty, I run back to the past performance, the landmark moments, and I say, God did it then, he can do it again. God is here, he'll show up here. God was present there in the impossible, he'll be here in my future in the impossible. God is able. Woo, I'm getting fired up, I'm gonna have to wrap it up. Verses 10 through 14. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched on every occasion. Why? So you can buy a new four-wheeler. So you can get the great kitchen. Why? So you can be generous. All those things are great, right? But really, ultimately, the Lord blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others so that we can just be one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. It's incredible. And it says that through our generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Listen, as we live our lives differently than those who are far from Him, it will give us a heart for the house and it will help others compel them to say what's different in their life. And it may just be the way that God brings people in your life who are far from God to consider the claims of Christ so they could experience salvation as well. It says that when you perform this service, it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Here's the statement. 
that I want to wrap it up with. Generosity, it meets people's needs and it points them to God. And here's what I would tell you. You may be in the struggle area of your financial journey and you're like, I can't give very much. I, I, can't even, I don't even know how to have a budget. I would tell you this. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. You just have to be generous to be generous. Come on. That what the Lord has done in here can flow out of you. And, and I love it because generosity, it meets people's needs and points them to God. And so my challenge to each one of us today as we go into this Thanksgiving season and we look at what's happening in our life, what are we sowing and how much of it are you sowing? What is the call of God in your life that you're looking at and say it seems impossible, but God is able and there's a gap. I know God's able, I know there's a calling, I don't know how to get from here to there. Trusting in God, reflecting on how you're sowing in His kingdom, how you're managing what He's placed in your hands. And I wanna issue a challenge to you. Pastor last week issued a 90-day tithe challenge. I wanna issue a challenge that runs right with it. It's called a 90-day generosity challenge. And so get out your phones, I want you to sign up. My prayer is for 100 families to sign up for this today. Here's how it works, pull up your camera feature, and then I'm gonna tell you what it is. You scan this. Do you see how it pulls up a link? And you can put in your name and email address. And for the next 90 days, every week, you're gonna get a four to six minute video that's a devotional in the area of honoring the Lord and having a heart for the house. It's scripture each day or each Monday, and then it is a principle, and then one or two things we can focus on that week. And there's no marketing. You'll be removed from the list after 90 days. The whole goal is to encourage you and to equip you as you're going through this 90-day challenge. Okay? One last thing. This afternoon after the second service, I'm gonna be teaching a two-hour equipping event called the Financial Learning Experience. It's gonna be right out here in the lobby. I'm gonna teach you how to have a budget that works, how to save money, how to invest, basics on retirement, and we're also gonna talk about getting rid of debt, and it's two hours, there's over 100 free financial tools, there's no cost to it, no sales pitch, you could buy a book afterwards if you wanted to, but here's what I would just say, my passion is to help you win with your money God's way so that you can live a life doing exactly what he's called you to do, regardless of its cost or the income it might generate. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for every family that's represented here. Lord, I thank you for the potential that is in this house. Lord, I thank you right now where I stand is literally standing in the vision of the pastors that you have set to lead this house. Lord, it is just a reminder yet again that you honor movement. And God, I pray for every life that's represented here today. God, I pray you would give each of us a clear next step. Lord, help us to have a heart for your house. And Lord, when you give us that clarity, God, will you send a dose of faith so that we'll have the faith to take that step, knowing that you'll be with us every step of the way and that you will honor that movement. Lord, I do thank you that you sent Jesus. And Jesus, that you died and you paid a debt that we could never repay. And you paid, a, you, you paid that debt and you give us that free gift of salvation, that outrageously generous gift 
that if anyone would call upon your name and believe in their heart that you've been raised from the dead, we will be saved. Lord, I thank you for that gift. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.